0: Hi everyone, just popping into your ears to let you know that we recorded this episode quite a while ago, it was sort of in the thick of Melbourne winter, so if you hear us talking a little bit more about weather than usual, that's why. Enjoy! We would like to acknowledge that this podcast maiden is being held on Aboriginal land, the land of the Wurundjeri people. Of the Kulin Nation, and we would like to pay respect to their eldest past, present, and immersion, and their multiple birth parents with children with disabilities. And this week's episode is Chantel, a writer, a mum of two, and you might know her as Fat Mum Slim.
1: This podcast contains truth, laughter and the occasional F-word, so it's not really suitable for children.
0: Sometimes you just have to get your shits out. Shit, 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 shit. That's right, this is a language warning. Oh, shit.
1: Hi, Kate. Hi, Mandy. We're not together today. No, you're away. Uh, I am. The sound will be... Even worse than normal, so sorry about that.
0: (laughs) Oh, good. We have done this through COVID, so what does it matter?
1: Yeah, that's right. People don't care anymore. like where you are. Yeah, I am um, at Falls Creek, so there's not a lot of snow, but we made it. Yeah, because it's been a quite warm, dry August. Yeah. So, yeah, but there's enough for the kids to ski, so. Right. Yep, and selfishly. It's much better for me because there's no snow on the roads and I don't fall over. So <laughs>
0: yeah. everyone else is sad. I'm happy.
1: <laughs>
0: well, I am here in Melbourne. It is grey and overcast as usual. So I'm yeah. all thing. <sighs> Hurry up. Yeah, it, it's, it's grey here and apparently
1: it's going to snow tonight. So everyone's doing snow dances.
0: Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. There is some yeah. blossom out, so when we know when the blossom comes out in Melbourne, everyone gets very excited. There's a lot of photos.
1: Yep. And mm-hmm. the Claritine sales go through the roof.
0: <laughs> ah, yeah, I'm going to stop <laughs> Have a lovely guest today. We're, you're going to find out all about her. Some of you may know lots about her already, but would you like to say hello and introduce
2: yourself? Hi, guys. So I'm Chantelle, and I blog at Fat Mum Slim, and I've been doing this for so long, it feels like... I'm a veteran in there, really, because I've been doing it <laughs> for so long. I'm practically an old, old lady. So, yes, I'm a mum of two and been blogging at Batmum Slim. Yes.
1: Mm, yes, and we've been following you for a long time, 15 years.
2: Yeah. Sounds like you're stalking, doesn't it? I've been following you for yes. a really long time. <laughs> That's who it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we had the, the original
1: bloggers were very glossy and, you know, Everything, like like the lunchbox mums, you know. Yes. And then we had the, I felt, the really negative ones, everything's bad. And yes. then we had the, re, the ones that just kept it real. And yeah. I think you, you guys are the ones that have managed to stay the course.
2: Yeah. Yeah, authenticity will always win. Yeah. Mm. True. Mm. It's true. Yeah.
0: Well, we won't so. talk you. So we'll start off with our three questions. Yeah, go ahead. Yep.
1: Yeah. So our first question is, do you have a favourite song or a band or music that, like, really pumps you up in the bad times or when you're feeling great, it's your go-to tune?
2: Well, it's usually whatever my kids force me to listen to. um, Yep. And if they're not in the car, I'll usually listen to podcasts, but otherwise I love, like, an Adele tune or Rihanna or anything – that you just are giving it your all but I have the music mm. up so loud I can't hear myself because I can't sing so it's like <laughs> it's loud and it's like I'm amazing and then someone will turn the music down and be like I am not good but you know so much fun letting it all out Yes, music's for everyone yeah yeah yeah, yeah. love a power ballad
0: I, I think mm. I've over my listening to music though for a little while
2: yeah which is a, shame yeah. I'm a big music fan but then I was like I'm just getting all the podcasts I can yes I've done the same and then when you put a song you're like this feels so good and free and my brain can just relax yes
0: yeah okay and so our next question is did you win any awards at school
2: um I was the ultimate good girl like I was the yeah (laughs) unfortunately it came from like a trauma like I had to be a good girl but it was um but I every year I got the most proficient student in our class so it was a little gold medal that I just was gunning for I think one year I got the, the consistency award instead and I was just so down on myself like I was I didn't even know what the word proficient meant back then like I was seven but I was like I needed to get that I knew it was the best and then at camp I got spick and span and I'm not a tidy person so that like shocked my parents that I was the <laughs> spick and span award for being the tidiest um and then high school I was the hardest working even though um it's that good girl thing again where my hardest working I wasn't even doing my best back then but it was mm more than probably what everyone else was doing just because that always got to achieve got to do the best I can got to be a good girl yeah yeah wow yeah are you an eldest child no second oldest but my my sister and I are both high achievers and my parents could not care less like it's so funny they you'd bring home an award and they like loving beautiful parents but just weren't you've got to do the best you can it was just us setting our own goals and being like we've got to we want to do amazing stuff. Hmm. yeah. God, I went deep, didn't I, straight away? Sorry, guys. Oh, no, that's exactly right. That's how Are we you do this. Blogging? Yeah. Have you any blogging awards or have you? Um, I got Australia's Most Clickable Woman. Um, and <laughs> 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 um, and that, was a, that prize came with a $10,000 reward and I used that money to make an app for my community. So um, it was a really great achievement. So we made a photo a day app. Which no longer exists, but it was a really great few years where we just built this thing together and it was amazing. Oh, we loved it. Everyone loved it. Yeah. Yeah, the photo a day
0: concept was incredible because everyone's yes. in on that. It doesn't matter
2: what level, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Whatever, everyone can join in. Everyone can find something yellow. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So
2: it's still going strong. I think it's 13 years now. So, um, yeah, amazing community. Oh,
0: congratulations.
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. Incredible. Okay. And our last question is why are you a P or part of our P community?
2: So I'm the proud mother of a 15 year old who has ADHD. So um that's why I'm firmly in the P community. It's been <laughs> a really wild journey, like especially these last two years. Um
3: yeah.
2: but I've loved getting to know more about her and I feel like the years before the diagnosis and understanding her was the before and now we're in this after where I get to, you know, unravel every year a little bit more about her. So mm. that's where we're kind of at with our journey. Yeah.
1: So true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. It's the before times and the after times.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the hardest thing, like, I I was a nanny for 12 years before this, so I, I thought I had this nailed. Like, I had the routines. I knew, like, it's that good girl thing again. Like, I was the best nanny, and I thought I would be the best mum and then, um my boss was like it's going to be so different when you have kids and I'm like sure sure I've got this and then I, my first daughter was was challenging like from the get-go like with sleep and everything so I, I really got tested so um it's been a ride but I think I was given her because I'm capable and I'm patient and I love her with everything so um mm. yeah it's meant to be
1: I think too, like I had three children before I had the twins with um, ADHD and autism and all the other things that they've got and I really thought that what parents did created the child and once I had those two children, I realised they're born like that and we can give them unconditional love and patience and all the other things but they are their own people and so it broke me down as a parent because I was like, oh, They're just going to do what they want. They don't care about (laughs) what I want. But also was very empowering and made me just, I think the best thing about it was I just don't judge anybody else's
2: parenting. Yeah. And I think that the people pleaser in me, that good girl, the people pleaser, Mm. I kind of got this ballsiness about myself in these years since the diagnosis and being like, I have to be this advocate for her, but I'm this advocate for myself as well and I'm not afraid Oh, there is part of me that's still afraid, but I'm so much stronger yeah. than I was in the before. Like I am oh. okay to stand up and tell people no and Yes. Um, mm. it's really empowering and beautiful, but God, it's exhausting too. <laughs> like it's oh, um, yeah. been a hard journey.
0: So can you tell us a little bit about like in the lead up or in the before? What what how did you come to the idea of diagnosis or
2: was it around yeah. the pandemic? Um No, it was before that. So it was in those early years when she just wouldn't sleep, I was like, there's, I used to be the master of putting babies to sleep, and I just mm. couldn't. And I didn't even know if this was related to the ADHD or her diagnosis, but it just was so challenging. She just woke every 40 minutes. And she just was um, different in a way that I think it's the dysregulation. Like she just couldn't regulate. Um, and so there was just things that just, I found it more challenging. I kind of just along the years was – like struggling that's the only way I can explain like I, we, we, a beautiful relationship she was a beautiful kid and still is um but just parts of it I was like I don't understand what's happening and I need no book or anything could tell me what what it was mm-hmm. like I mm-hmm. and I'm so hesitant to say something's wrong but that's what it felt like I was like what's going on that I'm not getting and so mm-hmm. I just yeah would keep going to doctors and saying this doesn't feel right. And they'd be like, no, it's great. And I'd go to teachers at the, you know, the parent teacher meetings and be like, she's amazing. She's great. And I just, I couldn't figure it out. And then I, she did the NAP plan and she got close to zero in everything. And I just was like, you just, I was kind of waiting for a sign of a validation because everything else was yeah. saying, you know, she's great at masking at a school. And then when she'd come home, so safe mm-hmm. place, and it was just volatile mm-hmm. and um, challenging. And I would, even though I don't believe in NAPLAN, but it just was a really great indicator for me that, yeah, maybe something's going on. So I eventually got to the point where I went to my GP, who's beautiful, and I said, I'm not going to leave until we explore this further. I Like, I need you to support me in this. And mm. it still um, was challenging from that point. The teacher did all the testing, you know, how you do the testing, um, Connor's testing, and um, the paediatrician said, he'd never seen such lazy responses, like just one word responses and it just didn't work. And so then two years later we tried again um, and the diagnosis. And I just, I just was so relieved. I came home, my Mm. husband was bawling. Like he was like, no, like just didn't understand. And he was so upset. And I would just said, I'm not even sad. Like I just feel like I can, I, I can understand her now. Like I'll be able to read more and figure it out and help her. Like that's, I thought it was really beautiful. So it was this really contrast of him. He's so strong. He's a federal police officer. So he's always so stoic. But he just broke down. Was like, I don't want this to be the way. Um, Mm. But I just was so relieved and like this peacefulness of I've got this now. Like I've really got this. I'm not seeking seeking the answers anymore. Which you do still seek answers. But it just was this moment pivotal moment in time. and from oh, that okay. moment, on I could just got to know her mm. a little bit more, and I just there was such less resistance, which was so beautiful. Mm. Um, so it's been yeah. a beautiful shift for us. Mm. Mm.
1: And I think when I mean we all have such different reactions to diagnosis, people who are diagnosed personally, parents, aunts, uncles, you know, grandparents. and because we were raised in a time where, um, ADHD was like, you know, it was a current affair with kids bashing the holes in the walls and we had no concept that there was anything positive about it. Like it was just negative, negative, yes. negative. It was a, reflected on parenting and all of those things. I mean, I've spoken about this, but in the early days, I didn't tell anyone. I just couldn't say it because I thought, I don't want my beautiful children, who are not those current affair kids, yes, to be judged like they are. And so I'm hoping now, you know, like my boys are 18, so they were diagnosed at seven, you know, so 11 years later, I think the world is in a completely different place. But that doesn't mean we are, as parents, getting the diagnosis for the first time.
2: No. I think it took me about six months to tell people that was that Mm. just settling in and... Are very aware of the judgments and what people would think because there is such stigma attached to that and even mm. the stigma attached to medication and the stigma attached mm. to all the different um, steps that you take in the journey. But um, I think just owning it myself, I'm like, I actually don't care what you think like, because this is, she's amazing and it doesn't define her. Like, um, yeah, it's just part of the part of the ride for us.
1: Yeah, I think that empowerment that comes is so great and it's just such a relief and the shackles are gone. But and I think then it enables our children or who our partners or whoever else has just received a diagnosis to be completely free in who they are because they're like, Oh yes. well, mum doesn't care. Mum thinks this yeah. is great. So yeah, it's really but it is it's such a funny thing because because we're set up in society for you know, you go to school for this many hours a day, you sit down, you do this. There is when you're not neurotypical, you're neurodivergent, how do you, we have to force our kids to fit into that and that's yeah. where I find the pushback and the, um, I'm talking about my own pushback, not the kids, but like my my own fears and all of that, that comes from that, not, not from who my children are.
2: Yeah. I think I, we've just started homeschooling my daughter because I kind of, you need to fit in that box still for so long. I just was like, and she wanted to as well. My husband's very black and white. Mm-hmm. Um. And then she's just been so relentlessly bullied for the last two years. Like I've never heard of anyone being bullied the way that she has. It's just so Mm. heartbreaking. Um, Mm. And it's kind of like you don't need to do that anymore. You need to be safe. But also I just see this different future for her that it doesn't need to fit into that box anymore and we can just celebrate her. And I love that it's now that this is happening in this world where we see it differently. If it would have been happening 15 years ago, it'd be so different for her. So I'm – proud that we've come so far as a community and society even though we've got so far to go it's it's nice that mm. we're making ground
0: how did you get her through the bullying
2: oh we're still so deep in it like it's um mm. we i will try not to cry but yeah we, we chain we went to one private school and it was a really elite kind of bullying like um covert bullying with girls and they
3: yeah. um
2: just treated us so horribly that you know, the principal will find her in a corner picking at her skin and just no. struggling yep. and um, he yep. just came to the point where the school said they loved her and said you're welcome here anytime like we love you you are great kids because she doesn't fight back um, but just said you've been she's been stripped of all social status and there's nothing more we can do wow. so then we yeah and it was just heartbreaking oh. I just was sitting in that meeting and just crying and just being like how can you just give up on her like it's just so unfair
1: I think my boys have had quite a lot of bullying over their life and I think we have this really simplistic view about how to fix it but I actually and I know they're going to be people screaming at their podcast going I know but I don't know how to fix it I don't know how because I think it's like systemic racism or homophobia it's it's a form when you have when it's big it's ableist it's so ingrained, the kids don't even know why they're doing it. No. And I think it, it's, it's I don't know, but I think it's one of those things like where now for children, a lot of children who are like in, the, in high school, they don't have homophobia anymore. I know there are yeah. definitely cases where they do, but I know at yeah. my boys' school everyone's accepted. But I think when it comes to kids, because... I don't know what it is, but when it comes to kids being neurodivergent or neuro, you know, there still seems to be this internalised ableism in other kids and they just
3: pick on them.
2: Yeah. Just a lack of, because it's so minute, these quirkiness and this lack of social skills or not at the same level as everyone else. They just, there's no compassion for that. There's just lack of understanding. So it's it's disappointing i don't know what the answer is and i think schools don't know what the answer is either because we moved to the next school and it was worse because we live in a oh, we don't live in a really small town but enough that the kids from the old school talk to yeah. the kids from the new school and it got to the point where we got to it went to the police last year because it just had they were about to bash her and um yeah the police officer that I spoke to was I rang beforehand so I didn't want to be I wanted to be a good girl and I was just like I've got all this is it worth me coming in um I don't want to waste your time and the lady that I spoke to was like definitely come in looks we want to know this stuff and so we went in and I a a male police officer came out and he was a youth liaison officer and I explained everything to him showed him all the printouts that I had the diaries and just said I just want her to be safe and I don't know what to do and he Mm -hmm. said um just come back when she gets bashed like that was basically oh my god yeah and then these last these parting words like we were crying he didn't even take us into a room so we had the perspective between perspects oh. between us and he, the last things he said to me was and you need to go and get help for her diagnosis and I was just like oh the ableism <laughs> and I was just was like I do like I spend a thousand dollars a month on getting help like I am doing everything I can like and then I walked out I just was like this I cannot do this no. like so then it just got worse from there really and then um we had enough to lay charges in the last three months it got really really bad um and I just the school just said we we failed you like it's we cannot do any more so um yeah we've moved to distance education so we're just in the process it takes a really long time but her nervous system is so shot and we're just Mm -hmm. trying to get her to feel safe and it's I wish that these parents could see the damage that is being done because Uh, there needs to be more accountability and just, I, I don't, we, like my husband and I are really fair. We don't want punishment for these kids because they're obviously really struggling themselves, but we just would love compassion or educational. There has to be this shift where the parents are like, Oh my gosh, I'm devastated. Let me help. What can I do? How can I help my kid? I don't know. There has to be a shift somewhere for this to be, for us to do better.
0: Yeah. But as a mum, because you're thinking they're children, but these children Mm. are destroying my child.
1: Yes. Mm. Yeah. I think Mandy and I have talked about and written about, like, we would love to be able to get into schools. But even if you can get into schools, how do you get that across to, like, I think it's primary school is a little bit easier because they're just so accepting they don't see colour, they don't see, you know, disability. But, I mean, I found elements of I wanted to quit school in year nine. Like, I, you know, when I was 15, it's a brutal time. I think in a lot of teenagers' lives I can only speak as someone who was a woman or a girl. I found the bitching in, bitchiness insufferable and I wanted to leave. So how, do, how can anyone who's not a 15-year-old cool girl impact another 15-year-old? Yeah
2: it's I I don't know the answer and I I, I'm like at the moment I'm saying I I will change the world but right now I need we need to recover and Mm. come out of this place but I don't know it's so frustrating that I don't know what the answer is like I know one of my friends is a police officer and she's just gone into the department of education there's a new role in our area and I'm not sure on the specifics but there's more going to be more presence from them and I just don't know what the answer is and it's really frustrating because I, we do need to do better and I don't know what do better looks like. I think I'd love to tell people how to be allies and I think mm. that could start in that minute, how to be an ally. like, But I know people get that ally fatigue, but what does that look like? It's just like checking in. You don't have to be with them all the time, but when they need you, just be an ally. Like it's, it's not that mm. hard just to stand up for someone
0: think,
2: or yeah. just check in.
0: It's like Survivor in high school. So it's like, it is. Mm your team then i'm going to be eaten alive so Mm. for someone to be brave to stand up it's difficult oh
1: yeah Yeah, it It is it's, it's so tricky and yeah i know i was listening to um a podcast recently and they were talking about like misogyny in you know 14 15 year old boys who are all drawn to andrew tate or you know, Joe Rogan, and we're we're all these mothers who are going, how could this have happened? Our partners or their dads aren't like that. We are definitely not like that, but they're still, it's so ingrained in our society, they're still drawn to it. And this podcaster was saying it's been proven the only way to get through to those boys is for another boy or man to talk to them. Yeah. Like it has to come from someone that they respect. It can't be a teacher or a friend or a mother or, you know. And so, yeah, I just like there's little moments where I get glimmers of hope where I was like, yes. you know, my, my eldest son um, really struggled. He's the sound engineer for this podcast. He's incredible. But school was really tricky for him, but the music department took him under their wing. And yeah. But they were like, you can come in here every lunchtime. And all of a sudden he had these three or four friends who had nowhere else to go who were protected by the music staff. And, you know, school was hell for him. And he doesn't have friends from school, I don't yeah. think. But he had... He got through high school because he had a safe place to be and because the music teachers are like, yeah, we've recognised that music is an outlet for kids that don't have any other outlet." So that was like this glimmer of hope for me that there are pockets of society that accept you no matter who you yeah. are. And I think also I say to my kids, I think sometimes it's going to be better after school because you'll find someone who loves Dungeons and Dragons or playing Xbox or going mountain biking and you'll fit into that community and they don't care about your quirks but at school
2: yeah it's so forced such a forced Mm. environment isn't it but it's Mm. so hard to see beyond the school like I've said that so many times to my daughter like trust me it gets better but she's just so in it I think now she can kind of see that we're in this process of school's not for you but Mm -hmm. It is really hard, isn't it? such a forced environment that just doesn't, these mini school societies don't work for many kids, especially kids with additional needs.
3: Oh. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get fifteen percent off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
0: How did she go when she actually left? How what was that like?
3: Well, it got
2: to the point where she couldn't walk in the gate, like she stopped eating. Like we we were at the worst of the worst. And I just, the hardest bit was convincing my husband that we would have to do distance education because he was that black and white thinker that you go to school. And I was hmm. like, the police had gone to the school and seen her crying and said, she cannot go to that school anymore. It's not safe. And I just, I think that was that validation. Again, I was just I said to my husband, like, I just, I'm telling you like my gut, this is not okay. Like we cannot force her. Um, she didn't even have school refusal because she would be friends with those bullies if they turned around and were nice to her. Like she yes. just loves people. Yeah. It's just that. That just hits because that is my children's story.
1: Yes. They so she forgive them and forgive them and forgive them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Over and over. Like it's, um, mm. I can't explain that to her. Like why would you want to be friends with them when they do that? But this is her journey to learn. I can drip feed little bits to her, but she will figure it out herself. But I, we we'll keep her safe. Um, yes, so that's kind of where we're at, just keeping her safe and her to – that we're pushing boundaries and um, letting her know what is safe and that it's, it's mm-hmm. exhausting. Like I am her security blanket. I went to yeah. Melbourne for work yesterday and the day before and leaving her was so hard. It's like having a toddler again, that separation mm-hmm. anxiety. She's not like, Mum, please don't go. And I'm like, I have to. So it's just mm-hmm. – the torture that these kids have put our family through is just beyond. I just would not wish it on anyone. It's horrible and heartbreaking. And there's been days where I've crawled out of bed and onto the lounge and just cried and just thought, I cannot do another day of this. More so when Mm. she was at school, I just am like, I cannot send her out to be eaten by the lions again. Um, But she still wanted to go to school at that stage. So I needed to listen to what she wanted to do, but, it has yeah. altered us. Like my little yep. my youngest daughter is amazing and such an ally, but she's had to become, you know, I can see her being quieter and just trying to be easier because things are so hard. So it's this affects everyone, and it's oh yeah, I never would have dreamed that this would be our life, and especially having gone through, I was abused as sexually abused as a kid, so I went through that trauma, and I just my whole life was. You know, plan to not let my kids go through that a similar trauma, and I'm like, I did everything I could, and here I am, and this may be even worse. And I, it, they have put that on her, and I ha- There's nothing I can do. Like it's no. kills me, kills me, because it will be with her for her the rest of her life, and I just wish that it wasn't the way it is. Mm. And they and will have will- no, not no, will not have any accountability. Like they will not you know, if they, you know, how people message people years after and say, "I'm so sorry, yeah. I was so mean to you," and I just feel like saying to her, "Don't accept it. Like that is not okay." Like you, like I don't know. Like I just feel like, no, sorry, you don't get to be a, a You know, we're not okay with that. But I don't know. It's just heartbreaking. What
0: about mm. friends with the mums? Do you know the women in the community? What's that like?
2: Um, the mums of the children. Yeah. Yeah, well, I I reached out to. There was ones where they just, one night where they sent like hundreds and hundreds of messages to her saying, jump in a bath with a toaster, we're going to come bash your dad, we're going to steal your dogs, like just horrific. And I messaged and sent some screenshots to that one of the mums, I found her on Facebook and she said, oh, my daughter must have been hacked, she wouldn't do that. So. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, that, that lack of accountability. So it's just, and I, I realised that talking to the parents i never get aggressive or anything but i'm just like can you make this stop um but it just doesn't doesn't work so I, we're just living in a cocoon at the moment which yeah um it's just I, I wish that we were talking in six months time and i was telling this great story of how
1: we'll, we we we'll have you this. back
2: yeah but yeah we're so in it right now
0: but actually yeah. sharing is super powerful for our community because yeah. A lot of people listening saying this is our story too truly yeah and there's a lot of um
1: distance education piece a lot yeah yeah because it yeah, is the it only be. way to get through keep her alive
2: yes yeah. exactly yeah it is exactly yeah. that like i when people are like i haven't seen you i've where have you been like you haven't talked to me much or anything i'm just like i've been busy keeping my kid alive like yep. that's that's exactly what i've been doing yeah, and that yep. is a lot of work. It sounds simple and easy, but it's um, complex.
0: The full time,
1: and I think anyone, like when you actually pair it all back, and you know, like I'll say to my kids, "Why do you want to hang around? Like, why are you hanging around with him? He is mean to you on the daily." But then I look at my own life, and even though I am fairly confident and outgoing, I like having. Um, come out as gay in the last couple of years and had a marriage breakup and all the other things, I too am, like, trying to fit in again and am yeah. yearning for acceptance and I'm like, you know what? It doesn't change. No. And so, I mean, with an adult head I can be like, you don't hang out with that kid, he's a dickhead. But yeah. what if it's one of the women in my friendship group and it's going to impact all the friends in the friendship group, will I just say nothing as well? Like, it's really easy to look at it. But actually having experienced it again in the last year personally, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm any better. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know I don't bully people. I know I 100% stand up for what's right. Mandy does the same thing and it'll cost me friendships every time. That's been the gift of having my children. But I don't know if I'm that much stronger than yeah.
2: my children. We're human, aren't we? I think Yeah. there's points where I think, you're dead to me, like, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. need you in my life. But there's parts where I'm, I find myself just yearning acceptance, like, mm. and that I'm a good mum, right? Like, and I want that
1: Yeah.
2: That um, validation back from people. But um, my best friend is great. Like, she has been amazing through all of this because she will just be like, you're an amazing mum, you don't need to be told. And even yeah, just on days where she just knew I was going for a meeting, She would just turn up in her car out the front and be there for when I got out. Like, and I didn't even know she was going to be there. Like, so my circle got smaller and I think I don't, didn't need that validation from these people that don't matter, but the people that matter would just validate me. And it Mm. sounds so needy, but if you do need that when you're going through crisis and you're just questioning everything and the world seems so horrible, it's like, you just need need to know that everything's okay. And that you're okay. Am I doing everything the best I can? And I think we need to be easier on ourselves because, Not many people have done this journey before in the way that, you know, every journey is so different. So,
1: yeah. Mandy always would say to me, which I think she's the only person who's ever said it to me, you're at your emotional capacity. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm giving to my mum because my father passed away and she hasn't coped since. So I'm giving her that much of my emotional capacity. Then I'm giving my five children all of what they need and the twins what they really, really need. She's like, you don't you need people to give you some and it's really actually true and even if people don't give it to me, I'm like, okay, that's still what I need though. I don't have to feel bad about wanting to need it.
2: No, that's right. We need to take that layer off and be like, this is where we're at and that's okay.
0: Mm. Also something really great about having a friend, your own friend to say, I know who you are. Yes, I know you're in crisis right now, but I know the old Mandy or I know the other Chantel, right? And yeah.
2: you're
0: mm-hmm. in crisis now, you're saving her life, but I know who you are.
2: Yeah. Mm.
0: you don't know who you are.
2: Yes. It's like um when one night when Lacey was a baby, she, cuz she was so I was so sleep deprived that my mum and sister said, "We've got this tonight. You go to Mum's house and you have a sleep." And I just forgot who I was and when I went and had that sleep and the bed was the softest bed I've ever slept on and the pillow (laughs) was just amazing and then I I woke up the next day and I went back to the house and I was so excited to see the baby and um I was cracking jokes and I was so funny and I was like this is who I am (laughs) like I just remembered who I was and I had that glimmer and I just I had moments where I just remember who I am in this present parenting stage but I feel like it's been a while um but Mm. I know that she's still there but we've it's just this tiptoeing out of this stage and we'll I'll figure out who I am again. But um, my my friend reminds me of that because we, we'll just call and not talk about the kid stuff but just talk about, you know, top-level stuff and laugh and just um, it's nice. Because I've got this really cheeky side when we go out and stuff and she's like, there she is. So, yeah, <laughs> she's still there. I know. I said to my therapist
1: the other day, I am fun. I'm a fun person. <laughs> and she's like, I'm sure you are. But... I'll, I'll share this with you. I think I've already shared it on the podcast but she sent me a list of um, like 80 values of, of characteristic values, things that you value in yourself and she said get a highlighter, see what you value in yourself, see what the people around you value. Do they line up at all? These people who you're trying to get acceptance from or your kids are trying to, you know, their families is it worth you fighting for that? Because are your values the same? And it was just like this big epiphany that I was like, Yeah, I can find people, and it's really tricky to do it for our kids, but we can find people whose values line up. Because that actually that that is just what creates kindred spirits, I think. Definitely.
0: Having said that, then, do you have any friends or children with ADHD?
2: I don't have that many actually so it's I, it is a very isolating thing like I'm I and I think that was really challenging because I'd see these kids get these awards for so many different things and I love those kids and I'm so proud of them but it just was like that created some of the that mm. internal and I don't want to use that language but it's the only way I can really describe it is what's wrong like I whenever I'm mm. achieving all these things and my kid is not I just mm. um it, was very isolating. Like I've never felt so alone in such a busy world. I just felt like <laughs> why yeah. is this so different for me? But um mm.
1: Which is yeah. why we started this whole
2: podcast. Yes.
1: Because we yes. felt exactly the same. So every time I see, you know, twenty thousand downloads or something, I think, there's twenty thousand people out there who feel like this. Yeah. So there actually is a community, but you it's much harder to find them.
2: Yes, it is. Do you know that Alice in Wonderland quote where she says, what you two, I thought I was the only one, and I feel like that's <laughs> what this is about. It's like we you're living in these little isolated little bubbles and then you find two peas and you're like, oh, my people, I'm not the only one and it's just that beautiful mm. com- moment where you realise there's a community here. My, mm. my more has been through reaching out and talking online and sharing stories yeah. and people in different stages of the journey, um, will come and say, Oh, I'm going through that too and it's just so beautiful and it's like you just start to breathe like I am not alone. It's so mm. calming, like even though we're in those struggles, but we're not alone. But it would be nice to be have someone in person to go through the same thing with. But yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah is doing any extracurricular things? Does she
2: play sport or yeah, she, she was playing netball, but there was some personality things, so we stripped that back as well. But she does equine therapy, which she really, really loves, and that's um, her jam. I, I, last year I we were doing lots back back when I was saw that police officer and he, officer and he said, go and get some help for a diagnosis. Mm. I was doing OT and then social skills workshops and then psychologist mm. and equine and a few other things at school, and I just started to think it feels like, maybe she's a problem that needs fixing and all these things are making her feel like she's yes, um, a working, you know, something that needs to be fixed. So then I kind of just talked to her and said, what do you, what do you love? What do you want to do? And we stripped it all the way back to equine therapy. And we'll probably add mm. a psychologist back into it yeah. now with all this trauma. But um, that was one of the best decisions I made. Like it, not even as a financial thing, because it doesn't matter. I would do whatever it took, but mm. it just, I saw her just relax into it yeah and there
1: is a real that that's the problem with how school and society is set up that we want our children whether they have a disability or not to fit into this little you know box and yeah and loads of us don't like I spoke too much at school I you know whatever I didn't fit into the box but because for the most part I was typical or whatever I got away with it right yeah and because I could read a room really well you know so yeah, I just think if a therapy is only to change you so that you fit into school, that's one thing. But if therapy helps you love yourself. Yes. yes. And and we all have, you know, I say it, my daughter's a pediatric OT and we have big discussions about this and she's very against changing people. But she's like, we all have social settings, Mum, where, you know, if you walk into a room and everyone's in a suit and they're all very somber, you immediately switch and go, Okay, I've done this before. People don't want me to be joking here. Maybe someone's, something very serious has happened. So they are life skills that are really well worth learning, you know? Yeah. But I, yeah, she's like, I never want to cramp who somebody is. So I think we're, I think therapy's catching up, but yeah, I don't, I don't want my kids to get a therapy that wants to make some change.
2: Yeah. I think it feels like childhood is this ticking clock that you have to get all this stuff sorted before we let them out to <laughs> into the real world to <laughs> adults. And it's like. I just felt like I was ticking boxes like the good girl thing, like doing everything that should be done and mm. what's everyone else doing oh people are doing mm. o t let's do that but mm. then
3: mm.
2: it felt right, but I feel like now feels right even better like it's just, yeah the therapist at the equine therapist is amazing and quirky mm. and just so- celebrates who she is and just gets her um yeah, right those people are amazing everyone look at the ther-
0: they are. I'm just going to say the wrong thing, but they're their own breed. They're fabulous.
1: Yes. Horse people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Out of the box thinkers and just. Anyone. They just love their horses and I love them for the help in my family too. Yeah. Mm.
2: Yeah, she's got alpacas and just this little bevy of all these little animals and it's amazing and I, she's just the best person in the world.
0: Oh.
3: Mm. Yeah.
1: And. I think there's the realization, and it's really hard for parents, it's really hard for me now, that if our kids can have one friend or one after school activity that they enjoy, it's actually enough. And while I say that, I know that there are loads of times when our kids won't have one friend. And yeah. for me, that has been the hardest part of the whole journey because like you're you know, you're saying, I've got my one friend, I've got my one best friend, Rachel. And she just stands by me and she's there and she helps me. How can I handle if my kids don't have that one friend? Wife, yeah. You know? But I really am very hopeful that in the long run there will be that one friend that they find and they don't. we don't need a big wide net. I think it's hard for me but I think it's, I, I think accepting that one friend or one activity is a really good thing is actually priceless.
2: Yeah. yeah. letting go of that expectation of... Mm. Having wanting all those friends, yeah. My daughter's got one beautiful friend, so mm. yeah, it's it's what she needs right now. And mm. I think I think it'll be different once she leaves this that age of school. Like once she discovers new things, and once mm. we're out of this healing, I think we'll um, try new things. But um, yeah, day, one day at a time is kind of my motto at the moment.
1: Oh, absolutely. Fifteen minutes at a time, mostly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: is like that on those days. It is. Mm, mm. Education, has she found subjects she likes, so she's found new subjects. That thing like so we're that? It's, we're still in the process. It's so we've had um we've enrolled um and the guidance counsellor we've had an interview with her, but she said it takes weeks and weeks, so we actually won't start until the end of term. So it right. kind of feels meant to be that we're just resting, he- healing. Yeah. So she's she's so hungry to learn, which is exciting because she's not an academic kind of kid, but I'm. Um she's like, mum, make me some work. So um, <laughs> it, we do need to – it is like this transition stage. But yeah. we just, yeah, one day at a time and see what happens. But I think she will – even when I spoke to the guidance counsellor, she was asking, what does she like? And I just saw this out-of-the-box thinking. She's like, oh, my gosh, you could do hus- horse husbandry or and rural services. So it just made me think, oh, my God, anything is possible. So I'm so excited. Like I think I kind of scared the guidance counsellor that I was so excited. <laughs> she's like <laughs> – Okay, let's go easy. But I just (laughs) ready. Yeah, yeah. I just was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. And she's like, well, it takes a while, so just sit down and wait. Yeah.
1: So, if you could tell the P community and the wider world, and maybe even some of the mums that used to be at the school about your beautiful, beautiful daughter, what are the amazing things about her that you would tell the world?
2: Oh, the kindest, most empathetic person. Even mm-hmm. before she'd been all through all this, mm-hmm. like, you know, when you can tell a person by the way they treat animals, like she mm-hmm. is just so beautiful. And I being able to have that pivotal moment where she was diagnosed just to stop and just see who she is and not who mm-hmm. I expected her to be, it's just mm-hmm. been life-changing because mm-hmm. she's amazing. Like if you – ever needed help if she walked past you she would feed you she would give you
0: Mm. kindness
2: and love and that is such a beautiful thing despite all that she's been through she they have not made her harder she has stayed soft so I think that's Mm. who she is She just will change the world and my youngest will as well because she's seen what she's Mm. been like my kids are the kindest most beautiful and of course they've got teenage moments but um Yeah, I just think they make the world a better place. So we're lucky to have them. And
3: yeah, mm. despite,
2: despite what they've been through, um, the world is better with them here.
0: Mm.
1: And just to give you some hope, my partner is a psychologist who deals with a lot of trauma patients or clients, and she's like, when there's this love and acceptance at home, the kids do heal. Like it changes who we are. And she's like, we are all different from trauma. That's that's how we grow. Sadly, yes. I don't want to grow yeah. that way either. Um, but I think that with good therapy and the equine therapy and whatever else, she'll never forget that this was her high school. Like, how can she? Yeah. But I think that we can have hope that yeah, she will heal.
2: Yeah. And I feel the same way with my childhood trauma. Like I, it was the most horrific thing and it has altered who I am and sometimes I feel sad that this this Mm. it's changed me so dramatically but also I love who I am and I don't know Mm. that I would be this person if it didn't happen so I'm so grateful which sounds really odd but I I love who I am and I'm grateful Mm. for the lessons I've learned and the softness that I bring into the world because I see it differently maybe because of that trauma I experienced but Mm. I'm a better person because of it even Mm. though I wish that it never happened which is such a Contra- no. Contradiction, yes. isn't it? Like, yeah, but I hope that she feels that way too. That yes, it was shit. Yes, it was the hardest thing that she's ever been through. But she is a better, more empathetic, more kinder person because she's seen that side of the world.
0: And her mum mm-hmm. had, yeah,
2: mm.
0: and in different ways.
2: Yeah, yeah, mm. God, it's it's so hard to be suddenly thrown into being an advocate, isn't it? That's the hardest thing of things. Like, just yeah. But I've had I know it that the time.
1: yeah, there needs to be advocate school. You're like, right, let yes, am to download yeah. like that
2: app and <laughs> find out how yeah. to do this because it starts today. Or a little chocolate bar that you eat that's like, right, are you ready for this? Like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we call it power eating. We're like, we're gonna power yeah. eat today. <laughs> yes, we need this. We deserve this. <laughs> yes, we really do.
0: Yeah, we yeah, after yeah, our yeah. tricky days, I would just like straight through Macca's drive through. <laughs> Shower cry, and then it just became rituals on those days. Mm.
2: Yeah, oh, how good is a shower cry? Oh,
0: oh, you have to, because then you come out and you're bright red, and they can't tell.
2: Yes, <laughs> yeah, to the, the best. Yeah, the best, the best, the best. The
0: best. <laughs> oh goodness, is there anything we have missed that you want to tell our
2: world? Mm. No, I'm so grateful that one of the, when I started talking about my daughter having ADHD and the challenges that I was facing the first things that people said was you need to become part of the two-piece community and I think I'm so grateful for that that reaching out and that it just was this collective hug of come with us like we are here for you um so thank I just want to say thank you and thank you to all the parents at part of the two-piece community because the best community in the world um really open-minded and yeah a collective hug is what I feel like they are just like these embraced arms where you feel so isolated it's it's open arms instead of the closed um, mm. arms that you usually get in these environments. So, mm. yeah, thank you for all the work that you guys do. Aww. yeah. Our so, life
0: too. Mm. Incredible. Well, we thank you. Um, thank you so much. We will send everyone your way that is not already a fan of yours, but I think most people in Australia and the world know about you as an awesome blogger as well just from your early days. So um, everyone will follow you even more. Get ready for some more P-Love. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> yes. All right, so we just want to send you our encouragement from Kate and I that you're doing it mm. awesome job, that you are the best mum for her. Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Every day I say, Mandy, keep going. That's what mm. you're Okay.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you thank you so much guys